Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the Round the Crease podcast. This is episode 56. Today is another great one. We have guest Jim Loftus. He is the manager of MaxLaxLA.com. He's with us this week because we want to talk about California lacrosse and we're going to stick with his region, specifically the Los Angeles area. So we're going to talk about some of the top teams and top players in that area, but we also do touch a little bit upon the Orange County area and a little bit of San Diego. So we're going to kind of try and touch on a little bit of the teams and players from all over California as best we can, but we're going to talk about specifically the Los Angeles area. The second half of this week's episode, Michael Ward and I get into it a little bit because we're talking a little bit about Culver Academy prep, specifically what Michael Ward wants to do with them in terms of the Midwest region notebook because they are kind of on a playing field of their own almost literally sometimes with the way they put together, have put together their program. So we have a pretty interesting debate. It's mostly centered around the prep versus public school debate and what a program like Culver Academy, like where do they kind of belong? Um, This was spurred on by Inside Lacrosse's Midwest rankings that had Culver Academy as the number one team. And it it, it spurred Mike on a little bit. So we we talk about that a little bit. It's a very fun discussion. If you stick around for the end of this week's episode, you're going to get a little bit of a teaser about what we might have in store for episode 57. But before we get into this week's episode, everybody, we're going to take a quick sponsor break because, of course, this stuff keeps the show free. So let's get into that. All right, so we're here with Jim Loftus. He runs Max Lax LA. We're going to talk a little bit about California, but a very specific region of California, more the the southern area and LA Ventura area. But uh, Jim, welcome on to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always fun. Well, before we get uh, kind of get digging into the the teams and players, kind of talk a little bit about what is Max Lax because I know you guys have several sites, and talk a little bit about what you guys do. So MaxLax, uh, you can find us at MaxLaxOC.com. Um, and we started probably 2012, I want to say, 2013-ish. Um, and it was honestly just a couple of lax dads who were not happy with the the state of coverage in the local papers, the Orange County Register, LA Times. Uh, so a couple guys in Orange County got together and started the site. Um, I had started something similar of my own working with the lax all-stars guys. And and the Orange County guys called me and said, why don't we work together? We'll cover the whole region. Um, and so we started Max Lax LA. I think 2015 was the first season I did Max Lax LA as a specific. We added Max Lax SD for San Diego. They're all found under the same URL. We've been trying to get uh, a Colorado channel running. Um, and who knows, maybe if, if we get our legs under us enough and, and get some support, then we might do a uh, NorCal or, or Texas or, you know, any other place, uh, that is underserved in the, in the local media that, that still focuses mostly on football, basketball, baseball. Yeah. And obviously lacrosse is growing uh, fairly rapidly in, uh, in California. And I know we were talking earlier, like talk a little bit about how, cause most people are probably familiar with more state championship formats, but California does not do that. So talk about how California kind of has their layout. Right. So California, the CIF, California Interscholastic Federation, is divided up into geographic sections, um, and each section kind of makes its own rules um, for when it's going to hold a 
a championship tournament at the end of the season. And in the southern section, which encompasses Orange County, L.A. County, Riverside, Ventura, um, it's the largest in in the state with 570, 580 high schools. And southern section made a rule that you had to have 20 percent of the high schools in the section playing that sport at a CIF uh, sanctioned level in order for them to hold a postseason tournament. Well, 20 percent of 580 means you've got to get close to 120 teams playing lacrosse uh, uh, in order for there to be a tournament. The southern section is finally there or close enough that the southern section is going to say next year we will sanction a, an official tournament. Now, what that means is there will be divisions uh, based on school size, enrollment, based on um, uh, ability level, uh, you know, how established is a program, numbers within the program. So, you know, you for the first time, we could have a Division One, Division Two, maybe Division Three. Um, in the San Diego section, where they have been running a championship tournament for a number of years, they do an open division uh, and then, then a Division One and Division Two. Um, I don't know exactly how the CIF will do it next year in, in the southern section, um, but we're finally to that level because of the growth of the game here, as, as you mentioned. Yeah, and that's obviously pretty fantastic, <laughs> just you know, because I know California is one of those states, like, if uh, the sport ever really catches fire like it has in, like, a Baltimore or Long Island area, like, California could far surpass either of those areas just in sheer volume of talent just because the state is so much bigger, kind of similar to Texas or Florida, like, the sport really catches fire in any of those states, like, it will very soon dwarf some of the traditional hotbeds areas for as far as the amount of talent, just because, I mean, obviously California is known as a football state, so the talent's there. It's just playing a different sport right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, we're, we're to a point where we're getting a number of crossover athletes um, from other sports. When my sons started playing almost nine years ago now in Southern California, uh, you didn't get that many crossovers. Um, you had kids who played lacrosse and that was it. Um, and not the type that played year round club lacrosse. Uh, and, and that was their, their only commitment. But these were kids who just came out in the spring and played lacrosse. Um, and, uh, and now we're getting to the point where a number of the top teams in, in the LA area, and I'm sure it's the same in Orange County, um, have top football players uh, coming out, you know, and and uh, and playing lacrosse, and and three sport athletes who are playing, you know, football, uh, basketball, uh, and lacrosse, or soccer and lacrosse. So we're getting to the point where you know you hear you, every time you watch college lacrosse on uh, on TV, you hear Quint Kresnick talking about uh, these you know three sport athletes and play multiple sports. We're getting to that point where kids in their off seasons, <clears throat> excuse me, are um, football players, instead of playing seven-on-seven seven, spring league or whatever, are going out for the lacrosse team and becoming a factor. Yeah, and that's, that's obviously great for the growth of the sport. But speaking of the the sport, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the, the teams and players. And again, as we kind of mentioned on top of it, we won't really be touching on or digging in too deep, especially like the NorCal area, so you won't really hear anything about St. Ignatius Prep or De La Salle or someone like that. Um, we'll kind of do it at a real top level with some of the other areas like San Diego, but we're really going to kind of dig in a little bit deeper into your area of expertise, which is kind of the more the LA area. So exactly. why don't you kind of kick us off and who are some of the teams returning for 2019 to keep an eye on? Well, the first and foremost, the team that <clears throat> has to be mentioned because they have won the last three consecutive Southern section championships and were actually a unanimous uh, choice 
for number one in the preseason coaches poll here with 30 area coaches voting. That's Loyola uh, of LA, Loyola Cubs. And uh, they have built themselves into um, a West Coast power that is pretty close to where, what you would think of when you think of Jesuit uh, in San Francisco. In fact, they played Jesuit each of the last couple of years. Last year, I think it was a one goal loss at Jesuit. Um, and I believe they have them on the schedule again this year. I'm not positive about that. But Loyola is has been trying to become, and I think is just about there, a, a truly national program. I saw the other day, I believe they're playing Garden City, New York um, this season. Um, so they're, they play Torrey Pines out of San Diego every year. Um, they haven't quite gotten to the point where they're beating those teams, but they're playing them tough. And 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 the Torrey Pines game, I think they were within a goal, and then Torrey got a goal in the closing minute last year to make it a, a little more comfortable. Um, but but Loyola is is far and away right now uh, the premier team in LA. Yeah, and I think a couple. It was a couple years ago. Their goalie Joe, uh, I think it was Thur. Um, he ended up as the state's all-time save leader like he was one of the guys that you know kind of first out of that out of that school that really kind of caught my eye but you know every year they're they've been up there I think he kind of approached 20 wins just about every season and to see them go to Garden City like that's a pretty big deal anytime I mean it's the unfortunate thing is the California school's got to go to literally the other side of the coast to kind of play someone to get enough recognition um, for for the rest of the nation to take notice, but it's always nice to see when those kind of interstate teams do get to play, especially Long Island schools, because Long Island usually have think they have a little bit more restrictions on travel, so they don't get to go out as much right. as some of the other areas. Um, yeah, and and there's a number of top schools from sort of non hotbeds like Colorado or or Texas who do make West Coast trips on their spring breaks, and they'll pick up a couple games. Uh, so we see that out here. Uh, and we're starting to see more and more uh, L.A. or Southern California teams making the trips back east. Uh, I think Torrey Pines makes one uh, to the Baltimore area um, pretty regularly. Um, I think Colonel Del Mar out of Orange County has done that before. Um, Foothill uh, out of Orange County has done that. So there's a few. And, and Loyola has been working toward getting to that level where they're playing more of a national schedule and, and you know, want to see themselves in national rankings, uh, not just in local or regional rankings. Um, and you mentioned Joe Thoyer. I mean, his graduating class of 2015, I believe it was, he's at Tufts right now. Um, but his graduating class sent half a dozen guys on to either division one or top level NESCAC type division threes. Um, and that was really the, the break through class for Loyola and they've managed to, to keep it rolling since then. Yeah, that's always a challenge. Once those guys go on, like the maintain that that legacy and that, you know, standard of uh, of play. But it, Yeah, their goalie their goalie this year their goalie this year is a kid named Will Parducci who who sat behind Thoyer for two years and I mean I wasn't sure what to expect for, from him when he finally got between the pipes last year. And he went on to become the L.A. area defensive player of the year, an All-American, and and he's committed to Babson for next year. And he's, you know, he did that in one season of actually being their starting goalie, <laughs> you know, so. So uh, coaching makes a big difference. Like, usually when you get some good coaches in there, like, you see that consistency. Uh, I think more so in high school than maybe some of the other levels. But um, it's one of the things I've noticed throughout my, my career is just you get good coaching and they stick. Like, the the programs tend to remain pretty consistent. Um, so outside of a little, who else is uh, 
kind of knocking on the door? Well, Palos Verdes was the the area leader, uh, the L.A. area leader, anyway, for a, a number of years. And Loyola kept sort of knocking on the door and finally was able to knock them off a few years ago and, and take over that perennial number one spot. So PV is, is number two. Um, and I think out of the 30 votes in our poll, I think they, I want to say they got 28 second place votes. So they're pretty well acknowledged as a, as a clear number two. Um, and they're another team that, that always brings uh, talent through the program, uh, sends a couple guys off to college and then brings in some freshmen who will contribute. And they're, they had a freshman attackman last year, Brad Sharp, who was, uh, as a freshman, was, uh, I believe he was an All-American uh, and area offensive player of the year. Um, so he's, you know, again, one year and he's still still growing. Um, he's he's going to be uh, one to watch for the next couple of years there. So PV's clearly number two. Um, and then there's there's a whole bunch of teams that you you could argue anywhere between three and five or six uh, in our rankings. Um, uh, there's let me pull up the poll just so I don't miss anybody because that's that's sort of how many there are. Um, uh, Harvard Westlake is, is Agura Chaminade uh, of L.A. Uh, Oak Park Oaks Christian. I mean, I'm, I'm down at number eight now with Westlake, and there's talent in every one of, of those programs and. In some cases, it's uh, it might be a little bit of you know a few mental letdowns that end up losing a cl- couple of close games. I think Chaminade, which is number five in our preseason poll, lost three games last year by one goal, and all of them were winnable games. But they had that one two or three minute lapse or five minute lapse where where they just let it get away from them and can, couldn't get it back. So yeah, it's a, it's obviously a deep state. Um, I know it's one of those. You, you watch the results uh, year in, year out. And, you know, again, it seems to be like, you know, Loyola and Palos Verde, like those are programs that I'm aware of, but I've heard of all those other programs as well. And, like, whenever I was doing the state rankings for um, uh, 3D Rising in the last couple of years, they did uh, kind of Northern California, Southern California. And usually at some point I would kind of bang my head against the desk a little bit because everybody's beating everybody else outside of right. those, like, maybe top two. And it's just like, I don't know how to order these because it's just like – Every you know this team you know team A beat team B but team C beat team A it's just like okay yeah <laughs> yeah and and the way lacrosse has evolved in in the LA area and specifically is there's a couple of leagues that I just referred to as the power leagues uh, because I mean, the Mission League has Loyola Harvard Westlake Chaminade Crespi which is number nine in our poll um, so they have four of the top nine the there's the Marmonte League which is uh, Agora, uh, Oaks Christian, Westlake. Um, there's a few others out there. That Thousand Oaks is, is number 15 in our poll. Newbury Park is number 17. So the Marmani League has five of the top 20. So they do all end up playing each other and beating each other, and it just kind of goes round and round. And and I've talked to a number of coaches about this. There's sort of the clear one and two. No one really argues um, about those two. Because there's neither one has lost, I don't think, to another area, LA area team in a really long time, a couple seasons now. But then there's a group of the next eight, the rest of the top ten. You could just throw a blanket over them, reach in and grab one, and they're all they're all going to be competitive. And then there's this other group in the teens that is just starting to get there. That that you know, a couple of them have cracked the top ten and then slid back out. They're right around. You know, and and the, there's getting to be more depth in 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 quality in the LA lacrosse scene. 
And uh, I know I know coaches are a funny lot. I talked to enough of them all the time. I've literally had coaches tell me, like, we're going to be really good this year, but I'm going to put the other team number one because I don't want anybody looking at us. Like, they like to remain under the radar for as long as possible and stay out of that target zone, um, if possible, until they, they like to surprise people uh, whenever they're going to be really good some years. It's, I, I always kind of laugh whenever uh, I have coaches make that comment. So I'm sure those guys in three to five, Maybe one of them might be a little bit better than they're letting on as well, too. Like, you know, it's like keep it quiet until everybody has to pay attention. Oh, sure. Coaches, you know, coaches are are, are fine telling me about players that I know about, players who were there last year and they're coming back. But they don't want to give me anything on the on the new kids that, that you know, might surprise someone. So, yeah. All right, so uh, we kind of covered the L.A. area, and I know we were going to at least touch base a little bit because I know no one wants to listen to a California uh, portion of a podcast without at least some mention of uh, Torrey Pines because I know the last couple years they seem to have been, um, outside of a St. Ignatius, which obviously private school in the northern part of the state, um, Torrey Pines seems to be the one that consistently gets into like the inside lacrosse and U.S. lacrosse national right. polls. Yeah, absolutely. And and they're going to be there again. Uh, in fact, I'm sure the preseason versions of those polls are out. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sure Tori's in there. Um, in December, we wrote them up uh, around signing the signing period, six Tory Pine seniors uh, signing NLIs to, uh, to go play D1. Um, guys going to Brown, Air Force, Maryland, Colgate, Merrimack and Notre Dame. Um, uh, so that, you know, that's, that's six seniors on a, on a, in a program that, that, you know, everybody plays. Uh, so there, that's one graduating class. They're not even talking about their juniors and sophomores and freshmen. Um, and they've got six guys at that level. So yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be formidable once again. Yeah. And I haven't seen their schedule yet, but I know they seem, I think they traditionally, um, played the like the Regis Jesuit out of Colorado and uh, Cherry yeah. Creek and Arapahoe. Like I know they usually end up playing one of those, like some combination of those teams. I think they usually take a Colorado trip. Don't know if they're heading east or if anybody's heading west to play them, but I know um, they've consistently, obviously Jono has got, you know, built quite a program down there um, and consistently has them right at the top. So I'm sure they're probably maybe looking to take the next step because I know they've kind of settled into 2025, you know, according to most of the media polls, but Sure, they wouldn't mind getting up there into you know top fifteen, top ten at some point. But usually at that point, like they start to talk about like a lot of the more private schools, and again those teams going east and beating teams out of New York and Baltimore and stuff like that. To you know, we we talked about in an earlier conversation, but for better or worse, sometimes those teams got to go east and they got to beat someone that people are used to here, and you got to beat a Chaminade or a St. Anthony's um, for people really to take notice, even though they might have been that good before. But that's kind of where, you know, the, the sport is. People have kind of gotten used to those powerhouse programs. So when you beat one of those, like I remember when St. Ignatius Prep beat Chaminade a couple years ago, yeah. at, at, that kind of catapulted them. People are like, oh, they're, they're, they're for real. real. <laughs> it's like, but it takes that for a lot of people. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunately, it's like when you're a kid, you got to you gotta you bide your time. And then eventually you, you get to eat at the big boy table. And sometimes you just got to kick down the door to get there. Yeah, and I scrolled through a, a, a national top twenty preseason list uh, last week, and actually was surprised to see nobody west of I think Culver in Indiana. Um, um, and and you're right. I think when it comes to decide, thinking about who's going to be good next year, 
you go back to the you know the ones you know, the ones who have been good every year uh, from New York, from Long Island, from Maryland, um, and that's pretty easy. Um, uh, and and it, it gets harder to 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 look west and say, you know, Tory with these six seniors, yeah, I, I'm going to put them in there at 18 or or 19 or something. You know, people don't know enough about Loyola. If they fare well, uh, hold their own uh, against Garden City, I'm pretty sure they're playing Garden City this year. Then maybe that changes. You know, it took it took Jesuit from San Francisco uh, going back east a couple years in a row and finally breaking through in one of those games for for them to be taken seriously. Um, but uh, but I think the, there's enough West Coast teams at that level um, that uh, that there's going to be a few more breaking through and and being on that you know top of mind list when someone asks who are the top programs in in the country. Yeah, and I know uh, years ago back when I was with ESPN, I wrote up an article just kind of talking about national rankings and stuff like that. And one of the things I I remember putting in there was like. Um, opponents should be rooting for their rivals, especially when they're going to play like those teams like a Chaminade or St. Anthony's or Garden City or something like just teams of that, that kind of national stature. Because when they go back and they beat a Garden City and then like, so say Torrey Pines goes and beats Garden City and then Loyola beats Torrey Pines, that just makes their schedule look that much better. So it's just one of them is you still got to win those games, but you got to root for your opponents as hard as it may be at sometimes, you know. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how, unfortunately, you know, I'm not going to say unfortunate. It's just kind of the way it works. Like not not unique to lacrosse by any means, but I think lacrosse because of just kind of the segments from across the country, you you kind of get a little bit more of this than you would like in a sport like football or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, you mentioned you know Torrey Pines, and and honestly, I I don't know enough about the rest of San Diego. Um, I know Poway was a tradition, power there for a couple of years in a row, but uh, but they have a new coach, um, Zach Burke. Their uh, their the coach that built them into the power uh, left and actually took a job in Texas with uh, Westlake Austin. Um, and so we'll see, you know, that's a, it was a talent rich program. We'll see if they can continue that. Um, but Costa Canyon, um, had a, a couple of what you would call down years, but down years for La Costa Canyon are good years for a lot of programs. Um, but they came back strong last year. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't know enough about them, any of the other programs down there, um, to, to, to speak intelligently, but, uh, you sort of look at the usual suspects um, in San Diego the same way we just talked about nationally, you know. And I'm sure, like, just because you're, you're kind of beat is the more L.A. area, I'm sure everybody can go yeah. to the Max Lax, go to Max Lax OC, and then you can find, like, the San Diego and all the other sites as well. And I'm sure, I, I know you guys are kind of rolling out your your top rankings and stuff like that, so um, people will be able to find all this information and a lot more over on Max Lax. So, um, and good segue, where can people find you and Max Lax online? Uh, well, the URL is maxlaxoc.com, um, and then from there, as you mentioned, in the in the menus up top, you can get to Orange County, Los Angeles, San Diego. We're trying to get off the ground in Colorado, and we're hoping that uh, that we can uh, we can make that one work. Um, you can find us on social media: maxlaxla on Twitter, maxlaxoc on Twitter. Um, a little bit on, like I say, maxlaxsd and co. But uh, we're we're trying to find the the people to really keep those uh, accounts active. I think there were the same on Instagram, uh, Max Lax LA, Max Lax OC. Um, if anyone uses Facebook, still we're there. Um, uh, but uh, that's you know, honestly, that's for the parents. But that's 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 our audience. You know, uh, 
I had a, I had a dad email me yesterday. We wrote up his kid, a Loyola kid, not surprisingly, who uh, is committed to uh, Trinity. He's going to go play at Trinity next year. And his dad wrote me and said, you know, thanks for the write up. It's, it, it's been read internationally. I guess the kid has family all over the world. <laughs> he listed off a couple of countries that uh, that were. You know, if I look in the uh, traffic logs, I'll, I see a login from you know wherever. I figure it's a kid, you know, kid's uh, relatives logging in to read about his commitment. So, um, but that's 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 kind of why we're here, you know. To uh, like I said, we started because the local media wasn't paying attention to lacrosse, and uh, and we wanted you know to be people to be able to read about their kids and to know what was going on in the lacrosse scene. Uh, so we started. Yeah, and I know that's one of those things like for years, I think, before, because I started Lax Records in 2014, and then it was right around when you guys got started. I don't know when I became aware of what you guys were doing, but usually it's not too long. Like I usually, I, I do enough Google searching and enough finding them that you guys really have become the source for me to find, you know, players and stuff like that. So I know you guys do a great service and people appreciate what you guys do. So uh, I know I'm a subscriber to your guys' um, website to begin with. I know you guys do stuff for free, but you also ask for a subscriber because we've talked many times before it's like this stuff still unfortunately this stuff still costs money to run like you know it, it may be you know a server just may be a uh, mythical thing to a lot of people but to us it's like oh you know that's that yearly fee that you know several hundred dollars uh, yep. depending on how big you are so for anybody who, who is willing like, it's interested in this stuff i would definitely recommend supporting you guys and the work you're doing because it's you know if if you guys went away like i don't know because i mean i think some of the San Diego papers might do something, but usually it seems like it's at the end of the season. The season's over by then. They really don't pay attention to the playoffs. So and there's a whole lot of games before that happens. Yeah, San Diego media, the the Union Tribune is better about it uh, than than L.A. Orange County media. Um, and I've talked to sports editors and writers in 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 our markets who who say they'd love to do it, but you know it's the state of newspapers and they. They get, you know, more bang from sending an extra rider to the Laker game than sending one out to a high school lacrosse game or, or a track meet or something. So, you know, it's the it's the state of things. But then that's where media has evolved. And that's where sites like yours and sites like ours uh, can step in and try to fill that void. Um, but I would be remiss if if we sign off here. We sort of skipped over Orange County and jumped down to San Diego. Um, and since. L.A. Uh, is sort of one half of the southern section. Orange County is the other half, um, basically speaking. Um, and the way the postseason has been set up in tournaments run by U.S. lacrosse the last few years, the L.A. champion plays the Orange County champion. So that's the tournament that Loyola has won the last three seasons. Um, and so last year they beat St. Margaret's uh, in overtime. Uh, St. Margaret's Episcopal uh, and uh it was actually a Loyola freshman who scored the game-winning goal in overtime. So again, to tell you the sort of the state of their program, um, the championship game overtime, and they've got a freshman scoring the game-winning goal. So they're, that's why they're 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 good and going to continue to be good. Uh, but they so they beat St. Margaret's, um, and St. Margaret's is ranked number one in uh, in our preseason poll down there. Last year, Loyola beat Foothill uh, for the championship. Foothills ranked number two in our poll down there. And the year before, I believe it was Corona Del Mar that they beat in the tournament. And Corona Del Mar is ranked number three down there. So uh, a lot of the usual suspects, but I would be remiss if I uh, if, if I didn't at least uh, throw a shout out to some of our, our top Orange County teams. 
Yeah, and I, I guess I'll kind of tag tag in there because I know, um, and if I butcher his last name, I'm going to apologize. I think I say that a lot on the uh, the, the, the audio whenever I do it because I'm not a uh, linguist, so it's always challenging. But Kevin Groninger out of St. Margaret's Episcopal, yep. like, I think he's approaching 300 career points, and he has a pretty good shot at becoming California's all-time scoring leader based on the information that I have. Um, so obviously he's a, a big returner for, for the Tartans. And then Foothill, I think Andrew Cumming is going to be a junior this year. And he's been pretty pretty good. I mean, he I think he scored like seventy or eighty points as a freshman. And obviously, Foothill is a very good team. So it's not you know obviously for it's I equate it like for him to be that good as a freshman on them like he's got to be really good because they have right. guys that can play. Um, and then I think he put up ninety or a hundred points last year. So he's another one of those guys that I think he's going to end up you know probably pretty close to the top of the uh, you know he could end up top depending. It's just always one. It's hard to. I never like to predict because it's always like you hate for it. I don't want to jinx a kid, <laughs> barring injuries. Um, but he's a pretty good one too. So I know there's two kids, two kids down in that area, Orange County area, that are, um, are well are already national names. But if Andrew is not yet, I'm sure he will be by the end of this year. Certainly, certainly, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for being on. I really appreciate it. And again, everybody, like I'll have links to all the places where you can find uh, Jim and Max Lax um, online. So thank you for being on, Jim. And I'm sure we'll be talking at some point again this year because, you know, the season, your guys' season, when does it actually officially start? Like when does the first regular season games? First regular season games are um, the 23rd. Is that this Saturday? Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's coming up on us. Um, so a number of teams are getting out of the gate right away. A couple others are waiting until mid middle of next week. But uh, but yeah, it is upon us. We're uh, we're cranking through our preseason uh, preview material, top players to watch, and uh, you know brief uh, four or five six paragraph uh, write ups on the top ten teams, uh, reminding everyone of who's coming back and and why teams are ranked the, where they are so this is the time of year when everybody starts to get excited because it starts you start it's tangible now <laughs> games are getting started people are picking up sticks and i'm sure they're tired of playing uh same colored uniforms as well too so <laughs> the kids are getting excited yeah absolutely it's a good time of year yeah all right jim thank you very much you have a good one all right mike thanks you too All right, Michael, we're here again for another week of a lacrosse discussion. And this week, we're kind of actually starting to get close to real lacrosse being played in most of the country. I think Maryland cranked it up. Um, well, Haverford School and Boys Latin kind of kicked off the part of the Mid-Atlantic. And I think there's a couple more this week. And uh, some of the Midwestern schools are getting really close. I mean, we got, um, I know we're recording this on Friday night. McCallie out of Tennessee played uh, St. Xavier out of Kentucky. Culver Academy gets started tomorrow. So it's a pretty exciting start to the season as we start to get more and more states really starting to gear up so i know for me it's exciting i'm sure it's exciting for you because we've been talking about lacrosse for so long i'm sure it'll be nice to actually start seeing games and that count well i went to a game last week i went to culver yeah uh i went to culver to watch uh them scrimmage hamilton southeastern the yeah. defending indiana champions it was maybe 30 degrees and it was windy <laughs> it was it was very cold and i was just laughing i'm like this is not lacrosse weather yeah but i had to i had to go see it i drove an hour and a half up there to go see it yeah uh i was very pleased watching the game i loved it uh even though i was freezing all the parents were up in the press box <laughs> I, I stood down at the bottom right behind the benches and it was a bird's eye view so i, I couldn't wait and i'm probably going to i think i'm probably going to go to kentucky on sunday to go watch culver play saint x yeah 
you know, that's another quick little two hours down south for me. So, yeah. like I've said before, there's no distance I won't go. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're a few hours closer to me. That that's that's an advantage you have. Like it takes me. I think like I looked it up the other day because I was debating on whether I was going to try to drive down to louisville for this weekend it's like four hours and i'm like it's oh, a little much considering all the stuff i have to do for the weekend <laughs> like, yeah that's a tough it's a tough one from chicago and clearing still, it with you, the wife <laughs> right you can still pull off culver culver's not a bad trip from chicago that's, yeah so i've that, done that uh yeah two, about two and a half hours two two and a half hours and uh i forget what we did we kind of tied it into a, something else because i did bring the wife along that trip we saw them play mccallie school uh, a couple years ago and uh, she actually really enjoyed it she was like oh that's a lot of fun and She's a good cheerleader in terms of, you know, she sat in the stands with the parents and handed out stickers for lax records and talk, told everybody, like, oh, you know, that's my, at the time my boyfriend taking pictures on the sideline. You know, he does this website. <laughs> right. I, I was feeling sort of weird. Um, although, you know, I was wearing my hat and I was yeah. wearing my jacket. I was representing. Uh, but, you know, people was looking, you know, you just see some, you know, middle aged dude standing there taking pictures. He's. You know, you get the double take yeah. from some people, but um, then people knew who I was, which was sort of cool. They came yeah. over and said, oh, I love what you're writing. I love that your coverage, I, you know, parents from both teams. It yeah. was really, uh, it was really neat. Yeah, they And probably, then uh, it was, it was, I liked it. That, you know, it's cool. Yeah. They probably don't get too much media coverage for a scrimmage in early March. Right. <laughs> well, they're going to get it now. Yeah. That's the, that's the bonus about living here is. The farthest I'll have to really go for a game is four hours. Yeah. So that's up to Detroit. And I go up to Detroit once a month anyway Yeah. for my son's practice. Mm -hmm. So that's not a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, going to Columbus, Ohio is two and a half, three hours. Yeah. I drive a little fast. So <laughs> I could go Cincinnati is a two hour, two and a half. I could get everywhere to cover the Midwest that I like to cover. Yeah. You know, my family's still in Chicago, so going up to... You know, to Illinois, no big deal. So yeah. this is, I can't wait to get it going. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, I'm actually looking at the weather going, is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? What am I going to have to drive through? That's not, I'm not worried about when I get there. Yeah. It's the drive through. So. Yeah, let's hope. I've been, obviously I've been watching, basically my Twitter feed for the last couple of days now. And it seems like a lot of the East Coast is getting pretty hammered with, uh, with the weather. I think the. Uh, Lambert Pontevedra game that was played in the Brian King of Spring down in North Carolina today. They said it was pretty sloppy conditions from what I what I was seeing, um, and then there was a couple teams that just traffic and weather have postponed games left and right back east. I actually talked with uh, uh, Coach Nostrand at Haverford School, and he was driving south to watch his son play this weekend, and he said it was like 30 degrees as he was driving through Richmond. He's like, this is not March weather. <laughs> like, it's right, just... yeah. I, it, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. And you, I actually use this as an excuse. So instead of me going on spring break this year with the family, uh, I said, you know, what are we going to do? Go to California? We were just there, you know, two weeks ago, and I'm like, it was 50 degrees. Yeah. I'm like, we don't know what our weather's going to be. I go, we want to do this? I said, why don't you, to my wife, why don't you guys go to new york and go see a play visit your family i said me and my son will stay here i said i've got games to go see yeah she said really i said yeah i'm gonna go up to detroit i was trying to go to maryland uh in two weeks for the loyola trip out there yeah it, it, it's not gonna work out right but there is but there are a couple good games in detroit i know carmel goes to detroit for back-to-back -back games so i might yeah. have to do that so uh that's you know 
going forward is going to be great. Yeah, yeah, we're getting kind of that time of year where you know it's about to get a little crazy with uh, and having to make decisions. Like, oh, which game do you actually go to? <laughs> right. That's that's I, I. It's like I'm planning it out now. I keep saying I'm like, okay, do I have a two hour window? I could do this. I can get here. I can get here, or I could see a game at one. Probably see the whole thing, but I'll be late to the next one. I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm doing it. Yeah. I, you know. And and I you know like I said I, I was putting something on Twitter saying you know I'm going to go to these games you know I want to see it, so I, I'm going to I'm going to publicize it I'm going to be there I'm going to bring an award I'm going to I'm going to give an award to a kid because, you know, what kid doesn't like to win something or get something if they're playing well right. I appreciate good play so yeah. I said hey here's what I'll do I'll yeah. make this little award, take the picture with the award they could get on the you know the website or get on the Twitter. Um, and they could post it. And so I just saw, talked about it the other day and, you know, I got a lot of good response with it. I thought I was going to get blasted. Of course. Now I probably will. Now that I brought it up, I probably will. But, uh, but people were like, that's pretty, you know, thoughtful. And I said, well, these kids work hard and you know, what's give you know, it, it's not like I'm going to go to the kid who, Oh, you scored six goals. You're getting it. It right. goes to the guy who, who works hard. That's yeah. my, that's my thing. You know, I, I was the grinder when I played sports. So I want, I like the grinder, the guy who gets in there gritty and works his butt off. Yeah. So it's, uh, so that's, that's going to be the fun thing I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun. I think it's a great thing for, for the kids, um, to kind of, you know, get that little bit of, especially with, you know, if you get the six goals, like I actually had a kid message me on, on Twitter. He was like, man, deep holes never get any of the love. He was like, and I was like, well, I was like, that is true. It's like, because most of the time defense is considered a group effort. And I was like, but the saying is defense wins championships for a reason. Like there's been some high fro- pro- uh, high profile offenses that never win anything, but you get those defenses that can lock someone down, then those win. I was like, so you might not get the glory in the headlines, but you know, well, you can on show the team knows who the, who the studs are. <laughs> right. You can show my tweet, my first award that I gave out. So it went to uh Cannon Ellsbury, who was a D poll for HSE against Culver. And they lost twenty four to three. The yeah. D poll is getting the award, yeah. but it was just the, they. It was the third quarter. He didn't give up. He went one on one with Owen Hiltz, yeah. who will be hearing about this guy forever. Yeah. And I, I just liked his uh, his toughness. He stood up, and it was one on one. It was great. Yeah. It was great to watch. I wish I had. I wish I could have filmed that because that was that was really impressive and really fun. Yeah. So I know one one of the things we wanted to talk about this week was a little bit of just kind of because I know you had um, posted something on Twitter and I didn't follow the the whole thread, but I got the impression that you got a little bit of pushback or maybe pushback's the wrong word or maybe that's putting it too lightly, <laughs> considering it is you know the internet <laughs> people don't right. hold back from their opinion. Um, but I, you had mentioned about um, Culver Academy specifically and as far as like the Midwest and prep, so. For anybody who might have missed it, why don't you kind of, you know, rephrase it? And and I know you also kind of went on, you know, kind of a longer explanation. So we'll give you the platform <laughs> to kind of, you know, give you the entire story here. Well, it's 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 a simple thing, you know. When I when I kept looking at all these Midwest preseason rankings, you know, they just came out inside lacrosse, yep. U.S. lacrosse. They all came out. Mm-hmm. A few other ones online came out. And of course, on the lead one of every one is Culver Prep. They sort of suck all the oxygen out of the room for the Midwest a little bit. You know, it's the headline. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, as I've said, they should get it. They are awesome. They are fun to watch. They're 
so disciplined, organized. Everything about them is great to watch. But I just said I wouldn't put them in my category. I don't think they should be in a Midwest category um, because they don't play for a championship. Mm -hmm. They can't play for – they're in Indiana. They cannot play for the Indiana High School Championship. Right. So now we're looking at an apples to oranges situation. They're not the same type of team. They play teams that are uh, like them. Maybe a league starts that just goes from there. I'm not hating on them is what I said there. Right. I, I love them. I am a huge proponent of Culver Prep. I'm a huge proponent of Coach Posner who stays here. He loves the Midwest. He helps the Midwest. He plays all the teams in the Midwest knowing that he could raise their stature by playing him. Hmm. Granted, odds are you're not beating them. But you will get more coaches, more scouts, more people looking at that game than you would normally. So a team, you know, like uh, like Nutrier played them last year, two kids from that team last year got recruited from their tape from playing Culver. Yeah. That's the benefit of playing them. I got a lot. So when this whole thing started, um, I got pushed back both ways. I got calls from coaches, from parents around the around the Midwest who played them. They said, I think it's unfair that they play these teams. And I said, why would you ever think it's unfair? Are you afraid to get beat? Who cares? Yeah. You know, Siri, it it's not going to it's not going to make you not go to a state playoff or a state championship or anything. Yeah, but it, you know what? It will show you your, your deficiencies. It'll show you where you're lacking. Maybe it'll show you what kind of team you have if you're getting beat up and if they quit on you. Yeah. Now I will say this: being at the game last week, being watching HSC in the freezing cold, <laughs> and it was a scrimmage, and it was their first game of the year, coming off a championship where they lost some players. Yeah. So it's a whole new deal. This team was as fired up as any team I've seen. Yeah. They didn't stop talking. They were communicating. And they played a whole new set of rules. They were playing the college, the new college rules. Yeah. So they had three penalties right off the bat. And they didn't and the and the coach is like, Oh yeah, you're playing this rule. Uh here's the five yard rule. They're not gonna warn you. They're giving you a penalty. Yeah. They took it all in stride. Uh they were down by a lot, like I said, in the third quarter, their deep hole went against one of the best offensive players on that team. And just they just went one on one. They're bashing into each other. They, they cleared out for it. They didn't lay down. All yeah. I did is look at that team, and I and I sent a warning to the Indiana teams when I made a little post. I said, "This team is game. Yeah. They might have lost some players, but they're not going to lay down, and they're not going to give back this championship." Yeah. So my thing about Culver was, I don't want them taking the spotlight from the Indiana teams. That you know these are the high these are actual the high school kids. These are yeah. public high schools, private high schools. I don't like them sucking the oxygen out for these kids. Yeah. They're going to get enough publicity. So like on every single one of those lists that came out, there wasn't one team from Indiana listed. Right. It was only Culver. Now I know that there are, that there's at least two to three teams that could go to Ohio, that can go to Michigan, that can go to Illinois and it can win. And they have one cathedral beat Moeller last year. Uh, I mean, Bowlers on list. They they'll be playing Saint Ignatius. There, this year is going to tell a lot about the Midwest because there is a lot of cross playing. Nutrier goes here, 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 and then Culver plays pretty much the top of those teams. So you could almost do a a comparison. Okay, yeah. how did they do there? What did they give up? So again, that was my opinion about Culver. It wasn't 
bashing Culver. It was pro Culver. Yeah. Now, some people like to say, oh, well, it's a regional ranking. And this is the, the pushback. It's a regional ranking and they're in the region and they should be they're They're the best team in the region and they should put it. Now, I wanted to say, well, Notre Dame's in the region, too, but they're not. A, they're not playing for a high school thing. Either. So should Notre Dame be in there? Um, should Michigan, should Ohio State, Bellarmine, any of those schools? I mean, that's it's not it's it's an apples and oranges situation. I want to I want all the teams that are on even footing to be ranked. And that's how I am going to do my personal ranking. Yeah, it's like, OK, here Culver's number one. Move that away. Now we're going to go and play with who are the teams that are competing for a high school state championship because this might be the last time a lot of these kids play. Yeah. Okay? They're only playing in high school. They win a high school state championship. The kids from Culver, odds are all of them are going D1 lacrosse. Yeah. I mean, I think pretty much all of them are committed. So that's where that whole thing started. And, again, love the team, love watching them, want every team to play them, steel, sharp, and steel. You know, you'll find out what your team is made of playing them. And and the only upside is what if you win? There right. are teams that there are teams that could the problem with Culver is you can't make a mistake against them. Right. That if you make a mistake, they're they're, they're going to make you pay. Yeah. They're deep, they're gifted, and they don't make mistakes. But if they make a mistake, they could usually get over it. If you make a mistake against them, here, here it goes. I mean, the way they shoot. Oh, did you, my, yeah. my, uh, did you just getting, lose it, power? No, it's getting late, and my makes <laughs> for so my lights upstairs always go off whenever at about nine o'clock at night. Uh, so, <laughs> no. so if but anybody that, sees that happen again, they'll notice. Be like, oh, it's getting late. <laughs> right. We're recording so, later than usual. Right. So that was my that was my my stance on Culver, um, and you know, like it or don't like it, this is. This is my thing that I'm doing because I want to have more attention to the actual high school kids that play in the state they live in, that play for their public schools, that play for their Catholic schools, that aren't boarding schools. Now, I would love to see boarding schools step up and have their own type of thing. I think that would be great. I would love to see that. The top teams and have that televised. I mean, that could only, again, anything that could help promote the sport I'm for. Yeah. So anything that gets a bigger audience, more eyes on it, I'm all for. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can I can see your side and but I can also see the other side, too, because obviously I've been doing this a long time and doing it in many different sports. And a lot of the argument is very similar to um, public versus private. A lot of public schools hate that private schools are even in the ranking because they don't see them as equals because private schools generally they can recruit kids they can bring kids in a lot of public schools see their kids the kids that they should be getting go to local private schools instead of playing there i mean you know, i mean we'll look at like paul rabel he played at um well uh i hope i don't get this wrong walt whitman as a public school as a freshman and then he went to dematha everybody associates him with dematha but he should have played at a public school in montgomery county you know, and he like I've talked to him about that in the past. Like he made a decision, like he knew what he wanted to do. Obviously, Paul Rabel was a guy, forward-thinking person, so he knew what he wanted to do, and he knew if I want to get to where I want to be, Dematha is his best choice. He made that decision, but that's not a very unique um, decision among players and parents. 
So, you know, I've kind of heard that before. And I mean, for me, the the ranking thing, I mean, I, I look at Culver's schedule and I mean, they play all high school teams. I mean, everywhere. What, I mean, and again, I'm sure someone can will can argue a point in which Boys Latin McDonough and Harvard School are not high school teams because they're all private schools that recruit kids. They get a different, not say a different set of kids, but they they're getting the the best of the best. They're not. They get a different quantity of kids. Yeah, they're not. They're, they don't have to take just what comes to them. Which, but that's where public schools do. Like you, you get who you get. Like if you're getting your district, you know, maybe you get lucky and a kid transfers in, but. You know, you're not going out and be like, "Hey, I want this kid from you know Cathedral. You, you need to pl- come play for Carmel." Like, you know, right. it's 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 a different thing. Um, and I can see how, because like again, my my experience because with U.S. Lacrosse and rank doing the rankings with them, and even I remember having the conversation with uh, Laurel, who manages the top twenty-five last year, was like, sh- "We should probably check just to make sure," because the distinction for U.S. Lacrosse is. Do they allow fifth-year players to play? Because like the Deerfields and um, Salisbury and those programs, they're they're prep schools. Kids graduate high school and they play at those programs for one year and then before they move on to college. So U.S. Lacrosse does not rank those schools um, in that thing and, or in the ranking, but they do rank Culver. And even like I know Laurel called Coach Posner last year to confirm that you know you don't have any fifth-year players on your team. And he said, no, we have all four-year school players. And I know there's probably people either sending a tweet, an email, or something right now to be like, you know, there's 19, 20-year-olds playing on Culver's school. And I wouldn't necessarily argue that, but I also know, like, it's I've ta- had the conversations. There's If there's a rule, there's a way around it. Right. Kids in eighth grade, uh, we're going to hold you back another year because we want you to be physically more mature. You know, that's probably not the reason they're giving someone for holding him back. But, you know, the thinking is sometimes like, we'll wait until he's physically more mature or maybe just a little bit more mature. And then you go to high school because it's harder to do once you're in high school. But in your seventh or eighth grade, you hold him back a year. And so by the time they hit their senior year of high school, they're a 19 year old playing against 17, 18 year old kids. So, well, but. That was one of the things that – so I think you coming from Baltimore area, Maryland, seeing that, yeah, where there is the – I've only really heard that out there. Again, uh, my wife being from West Islip, that's mm-hmm. a public school. Right. They trashed teams. They beat up on Chaminade. Uh, Ward Melville, public school. Long you know, Island is its own – you know, sure. They're happy now, to get whatever they can get because those kids, they they probably play lacrosse before they walk out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, but the phenomenon I think when it comes to the to the Midwest, okay, let's throw out. I'll throw out Carmel and Cathedral in Indiana. Cathedral's a private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Carmel's a public school. Go look on the records for sports and athletics for Carmel High School. It's up there in the top of the nation. Mm-hmm. There's five thousand kids. Right. They could make whatever team they want whenever they want it. Plus, they get every the facilities they have here are great. Mm-hmm. Go to Texas. Go look at some of the public schools in Texas. They're phenomenal. Go look at some of the public schools around the Midwest, out west. It's a different type of animal. Yes. Uh, the other thing about the reclassing, I've heard a lot for Maryland. It doesn't happen as much here. 
it happens a lot in Texas, and that's more of a football thing. Yeah. Um, so I think the idea of the public-private thing is more of an East Coast thing, and I think as the game gets expanded uh, stronger throughout the country, mm-hmm. the public-private thing is going to sort of disappear. I mean, yes, there are some schools that won't have it, that some private public schools that won't won't get it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's almost like a will. There's if if that's going to be one of the athletic departments. Um, things he wants to push, they'll push it. Uh, and when they say recruiting, again, Loyola and New Trier in Illinois are a mile away from each other. Yeah, it's a public school and a private school. And I just talked to someone. And they're like, "Oh, well, they recruit. They, that you know, they're they're doing this and they're doing that." I'm like, I, I would have gone there. I did go there. My son would have gone there. And I'm like, "What do you mean recruit?" I said, "All those kids from Loyola and New Trier play together growing up." Yeah. Lake Forest plays with them. Glenview plays with them. Glenbrook North. I said, it's just a matter of a lot of times where the parents want to go. I lived in the city of Chicago. I didn't have a public school that I was going to be able to have my kids go to Mm -hmm. that would have lacrosse. That would be a good school. It wasn't going to be good. So it was going to Loyola. It was going to Loyola or St. Ignatius. Well, Loyola was going to be the choice. But we moved here to go to a public school and not have to pay all that money. Yeah. Um, But I don't think there's a kid on Loyola's lacrosse team that lives farther than 12 miles away. Yeah. So, you know, and if you go 12 miles away from Loyola, there's 15 schools and probably the top five in the state of Illinois are all within 15 miles. Yeah. So I'm coming from the Midwest standpoint about the public private where, where lacrosse always has usually been East coast biased. Uh, so I'm pulling it my I'm doing it from my prism and from right. my from my point of view. Right. That's that's where the culvert thing comes in. Yeah, and I mean, like, and I'm I'm just like, just giving the different perspective that you know that the similar arguments have been used in other areas because and but I you know I think I uh, agree to the point with you that you know culver playing culver even if you get trashed doesn't cost you anything because to be perfectly honest like i'm sure you know a lot of programs like i you know i'm looking at their schedule right now they play carmel on march 16th yes i'll be there it's one of those things i'm like carmel loses by 20 what have they really lost they will still because it doesn't cost them anything for their state association like they will still like they will never have to play culver in the playoffs like it's not a no a playoff game but like you said they get to see where they stand against one of the literal best teams in the nation. And they will, I mean, Culver is good for many reasons, but one of the reasons is like, they will find your weakness and they will just pick at it. And so what better way for you to find out what you're deficient at than play a team that you know has that level of skill in a early March game or a mid March game. So you know what your weakness is. So you have the rest of the year to fix it. And then, so by the time you get to the playoffs, like Culver Academy hammered this on this and it's not going to ha- happen again. Right. That's, that's what I appreciate them so much for That's why I, I, I'm so pro because they do that for the teams. They help teams. Yeah. They, instead of taking it as a demoralizing loss, yeah. take it as, Hey, we're going to give, because they're not laying down. I, you know, some people might think, Oh, they're playing a team. That's not as good from the, Nope. 
They're coming out. They're marching out on the field. They did it for their scrimmage. They marched out in line, yep. in formation. Their warm-ups are all precise. Everything is so strict. It's like watching a college program. It's like watching a top-notch college program. I yeah. guarantee you, they're in, they're better, uh, in better shape and 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 you know work harder in certain ways than a lot of college teams. Yeah. I think they could probably beat a lot of college teams. I think so. Uh, um, but having the opportunity to play them as a, if I was coaching against them, well, I know how I'd play them. I don't want to <laughs> say it, but I know how I'd play them. Uh, I would be like, this is great. Go after them, make it, you know, make a name for yourself. Yeah. Make, I mean, I, I know a couple times last week in the game against with HSC, uh, some of the dads who were, were near me were like, they weren't yelling at their kids. They were perfectly fine parent being parents. Um, but like, I wish, you know, I wish you would take a shot at him. I wish, it, you know, they kept in their offense and you're like, you know, try to take the kid one-on-one, -on -one, you know, right. It's Keelan Duff right there. He's going to Maryland. He's one of the best deep poles in the country. Yeah. Take a shot one-on-one, -on -one, see how it goes. Yeah. You know, it didn't happen, but I'm sure, well, I know, well, and then there was another player for HSE who every time he got a chance, he went at it. He went, he tried to dive three times. <laughs> I mean, he. First, first five minutes in the game, I'm like, oh man, he took it from X, yeah. and he skipped and bolted, and I'm like, he's going for the dive. Yeah. He didn't make it; it got stopped. But he dove into traffic, and I'm like, this kid, this is great. Yeah. So again, it's going to give these kids confidence, uh, the opportunity to play against the best, and a coach to sit there and look at film and say, oh, see how they beat you here. Yeah. You see how they beat you here. Let's beat. Let's close this gap. Let's co close this. Let's work on this slide. Yeah. We're not going to be playing a kid that good this year, but still, let's close that slide. Yeah, uh, let's make that slide. So, again, there is virtually no downside, except if you can't handle being beat. I mean, that's that's the only downside. And for some teams, sometimes that's enough. Like I've I've seen Culver play a few teams in the last few years since I moved out here, and a couple teams that I've seen them play. They they don't take it so well. They're like there's <clears throat> there's teams that I think are accustomed to a certain. I, I think they're <laughs> used to being on the other end of that scoreboard and doing that to some other teams. They didn't take it so well when it was those roles well, were reversed. And we talked last week. You know, sometimes karma's a, <laughs> right. a real B. You know, right? It's just right. Like, <laughs> right. But, That's what I was gonna say. We're flipping back to bat last week. Yeah, I don't think. I, okay, so I. I know a game that maybe you're talking about. Um, I don't look at Culver as the team that steps on your throat to step on your throat. Right. But if you keep going at them and hitting them and do, they might make an example out of you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. But again, the, the, you go on the next day yeah. you go on and you have tape, you have this and you had an opportunity to play the best. You have an opportunity yeah. to sit there. If this is your last time playing lacrosse, yeah. if you're just a senior who's on the varsity and you played against them and you, in, in two years, you're watching ESPN on a weekend and be like, Oh, I played against that kid in high school. Yeah. Oh, I played against that kid in high school. That's cool. Okay. That's, yeah. that's cool. That's, I still say it about, about kids I played with when I was a kid. Oh, I played with him when he played for college, you know, yeah. played in this college. It's, it's a neat thing. So, yeah, I have no ill will towards Culver Prep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they run a fun. I, I think what Coach Posner has done with that program, I mean, you, you think about like 
I, I don't know what they were like before he got there, to be perfectly honest. And he, what he's been able to build for a fairly small school in the middle of Indiana right. to take them to literally the team. Like, I was honestly really surprised that they were not the number one team in the nation when I look at the roster. I mean, obviously, Salisbury schools stacked sure. as well. So it's kind of hard to, you know, at that point, which, you know, we're, we'll scheduled to have Ty Zanders on for next week's podcast. So that's a little bit of a tease for next week to kind of talk about, you know, how these decisions are made. You know, I have a little bit inside information just because I used to do rankings. So we had a philosophy, how we kind of went through some of this stuff, but preseason rankings are tough, but you know, it's one of those like Culver Academy is one of those programs that, you know, if they're not number one, they're, they're always, they're going to be in the hunt. And I mean, they're because they put together a a schedule that, you know, will ensure that they either will be in the hunt for number one. I mean, I don't see them losing a lot of these games. I mean, they're, they'll probably take some lumps, but I know they're, I mean, they're, I think their ultimate goal is they want to be the number one team in the nation. Like they might not be playing for a state championship, but you know, they view it as like that sacrifice, so to speak of not playing for a state championship. But if they get to say they're the best team in the nation, I think that for them, like they're like, Oh, we want something maybe a little bit more. That's their championship. And and I, and I know that he will play any school anywhere, anytime. Yeah. I've, I've heard the stories of him calling up programs and saying, we will be there this weekend. If at the end of the season, you're, you're the theoretical number one team in the country. We'll be there this weekend. If you want to play us and they've been turned down. He's not afraid to play anybody. Yeah. That's 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 that. I think that's great. I you yeah. know that's that's the kind of thing I like. So and I mean, again. I'm looking at their schedule. April four, a midseason game. I guess maybe midseason, maybe late season. But they're playing Hill Academy. You're right. They always do that one. That's a great one. That's yeah. I, I think Hill beat them. I think they played Hill twice last year, didn't they? Yeah. I think they won one and lost one. That's a battle. That's 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 as good a lacrosse as you're going to see. Yeah. Where is that one this year? Detroit Mercy. Oh yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually be curious to see to hear your take on what do you what do you what's your take on Hill Academy as far as rankings were to go? I, I think they're I think it's the same thing. I think it's I think you should be putting Hill Academy Culver, perhaps IMGs, uh the IMG, um, Salisbury, uh what's the other uh Deerfield Academy is Deerfield Academy prep and boarding. Yeah, they're a boarding school. So I think that could be. I think there could be a league. You know, these are schools and programs that are getting money. You know, you don't start this unless you have some benefactors who want it to be that way. You know, yeah. or, or boosters or whatever. I know the Hill Academy was started by um, Brody Merrill and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I would. There's a kid from Carmel who goes there. Yeah. You know, he didn't go to he went to the Hill Academy. I yeah. mean, I think he was a hockey player and a lacrosse player, but I think that's great. I don't know who Hill plays outside of the big name teams because I don't follow them as closely as Culver, which is down the road, like right. I like to say. Um, but I I'd like to see them battle. I'd like to see them all. But I'd like to see all those teams teams battle. I mean, yeah. IMG was in the rankings, I think, in some ranking this year. Yeah. Um, and they were ranked like 10th, like seeing them ranked so low is like, shouldn't they be one, two or three? You know, you're trying to get the best kids. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but 
I don't have a problem with it at all. I really, I think it's a benefit. Yeah. Maybe some great kids are too good to be playing on a team in central Indiana. So it opens up a spot for another kid to play while they go on and get the, the, the competition they actually need to move on. So it's an interesting way of looking at it. Those are my, you know, I see no downside. I see no downside. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I look at the Hill Academy because I know, um, I think it was a couple years ago when Casey Vock was doing the um, top 25 for USA Today, he had to convince USA Today to allow him to rank Hill Academy because I think the first year he did it, they did not let him. And the second year, he was like, listen, look at their schedule. They are playing every team, like, all their schedule was all American teams, and they do them all on the road. Like, they're playing... MIA schools, they're playing Culver Academy, they're playing Interact schools, like, they're they're playing all these teams that are, I mean, this, high schools, like, you, they're literally playing every other team you have in the rankings. Right. They're from Canada, yeah, but they, you know, at that point, they didn't have another Canadian school, now Kiski Prep is, uh, seems to be an up-and-coming, or not Kiski, maybe, not Kiski yeah, Kiski's Prep, in Pennsylvania. Ever, Everett uh, Academy, Everest, Everest Academy, it seems to be another up-and-coming Canadian program that is uh, looking to get to that level as well. So I think they play them now. But at that time, like literally every other team on Hill Academy schedule was just they were an American school, they were a prep school, and they were playing them all. Like uh, so, I think he finally got him. He was like, "Well, they're playing all these teams and they're beating most of them. <laughs> How do you not consider them well, as one I, of the best teams?" I mean, the only thing that. They, you're right. They have lost. Culver's lost. You yeah. know, so it's not. I'm just saying Culver in the Midwest is a juggernaut. Culver on the national grand scheme, they could be beat. There yeah. are teams. I mean, there are MA, MIAA teams that every year will give them a battle. Yeah. You know, every year. Yep. I mean, that's just how it is every year. Um, there are maybe once in a blue moon a team in the Midwest that will give them a battle. Um, so it's not like they're unbelievable. It's not like they're unbeatable. It's yeah. not like the, it's that, but it's, you know, I'm looking at it as a, not as fair and unfair. I'm looking at it as let's give, let's give them their due, but let's yeah. get the, let's give the kids who are getting overshadowed because of it, their due as well. I actually had an interesting thought today while I was running. Um, can Culver prep play their varsity team? Because they have a varsity team that does compete for a state championship. Yes, yes. Can, Can they, they play them like in a game? Yeah. Could they schedule them? Be like, we're, we're you know, because I was thinking about, it, I was like, all right, how does a, you know, because obviously I know they play Carmel and they they do play some of the regular schools. I say regular schools in Indiana, mm-hmm. but I was like, if Culver Varsity's team wanted to actually play them, because for all the same reasons that we discussed, I was like, is that even possible? Would they allow that? <laughs> Well, that was the the rumor that I've heard about Culver's varsity team this year was they are now going to concentrate on making their varsity team excellent as well for the state of Indiana. So there might be players. um, It hasn't been confirmed, so I'm going to just throw out a little rumor here. Hasn't been, but they're not letting any freshmen actually play on the prep team. Mm -hmm. So there might be freshmen who are absolute superstars that are sitting on the varsity yeah. that we don't know yet. The Culver team varsity team this year is, is an unknown entity. Yeah. Uh, which I just sent you like the, my outlook for yeah. they're unknown. They could show up 
at one of these games games with six Canadian kids who are shooting it from 25 yards out and being like, what, what's going on here? Right. Um, we don't know what their entity is, but I've heard from uh, coaches, parents and around saying they want to make their team great in the high school thing. So they're going to start practicing together. Yeah. So again, that whole steel sharpened steel. Yeah. You practice against that team every day and then you go and take on, you know, <laughs> one of, you know, again, granted Carmel cathedral, HSC, uh, Zionsville for some, these teams aren't, they're no pushovers. Right. They're, I'm not going to say it. they're not push. I mean, again, talking about Carmel, which is a 5,000 student school, they have athletes. They can run four lines at you and just run the whole game. Yeah. They might not have the total skill of, of Culver, but they can run any team into the ground. Yeah. They just have, it's just wave after wave of, of, uh, talent of, of, of skills, size, speed, football players, old basketball, players. they just have athletes. Yeah. Um, but you know, but to practice against that Culver prep team every day yeah. to run, to run the physical regimen that they do. I mean, I think Culver still makes all their prep every Monday, do the mile. Like the, it's like a six minute, five minute mile. They make them sprint it every, yeah. every Monday. Like, okay, go ahead. No matter what the weather is, yeah. go ahead and do it. So, um, it'll be that, that's the one point that's going to be the interesting point, um, to see how Carmel varsity reloads this year because I, I don't know what I don't know what I'm about to see yeah yeah that was just one of those things I was like oh I was like I wonder if they would even allow that like if the coach we know the head coach at Culver varsity was like hey we want to play the we want to play our prep team you play car you, you know you play Carmel you play Cathedral you play all the other teams in Indiana it's like we want to play just because like you know maybe they think they can beat them or maybe it's just one of those things like because <laughs> I, I had the thought I was like oh that would actually be a good way to because as we talked to kind of show other teams in Indiana, it's like, all right, where do you stack? Because, you know, if, just imagine if Culver's varsity team beat the prep team and then they oh went, and they lost to an HSE or something like that. Then you almost have like that direct correlation. The transitive property? Yeah. You see like, oh, you know, HSE beat the varsity team, which beat the prep team. So, and I mean, a lot of with the rankings and stuff like that, like because of the interstate matchups, like those help a lot kind of start to place teams like people wonder you know people argue on you know oh this team would beat this team and this team and if your team never leaves the state it's a much easier debate in some reasons because there's no basis for the arguments like oh you know i never left the state of indiana i never left the state of michigan so you only have your little pool of yeah i teams that you have but you know if one of those teams you know if you know the Culver varsity traveled to Maryland and played a boys Latin and won. And then they come back to Indiana and other teams beat them or, you know, play them close. You start to see like, well, that team went out to Maryland and played a good game, like beat a boys Latin team. And then all the teams here in Indiana, they only lost by one or beat them by one. Like it helps to, that's well, that's sort of, right. But that's what's sort of happening a little bit bit this year although Loyola is going out to Maryland to play three games they're going out to Long Island to play three games they're playing six top 14 teams in the country yeah on the road um now I don't believe they have any um Midwest games so it's like did they overdo it out there and do so the team that they will play um at least once possibly most likely twice will be New Trier yeah. Now, Nutrier has their own 
brutal schedule. Yeah. They have a four-game stretch where they go San Xavier, San Xavier, Kentucky, <laughs> uh, Cincinnati, and then Detroit Catholic Central and Brother Rice, yeah. all on the road. So now, and then they play St. Ignatius at one point. Um, I, they might play Upper Arlington or Moeller. I'm not, I don't recall one of them. So, and then they play uh, Cathedral. They'll play Carmel. Yeah. So, New Trier will almost be the the guinea pig. Yeah. And they'll probably play Culver. So, and they played Culver probably their best game, you know, New Trier last, lost by five goals yeah. last year. I mean, that was huge. Didn't work out real well the next game, but uh, that was a huge thing. So yeah. New Trier is almost like that guinea pig that will give teams credibility or it will say, we're here to make a stand. We're here to make, you know, yeah. hey, we went to we went to Detroit and we beat DCC and we beat Brother Rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Ohio and we beat those two teams and we went to Kentucky and beat that team. Uh, we came here. Then you all of a sudden say, well, what's the best team in the Midwest? It's New Trier. Yeah. Now, if Loyola beats them and does well, yeah. there might be a headache for Loyola out, out east. You know, I, I think they're not going to have all their players, which I don't know how that would possibly work out. Yeah. <laughs> don't go out there without without all your guns, but right. that might happen. But still, that's what I like about the Midwest now is the top teams, if you look at every single uh, rating out there, um, ranking, the top two or three of each state are all playing against pretty much the top two or three of each state. Yeah. They're all, there is all some sort of mix, which makes it a easier for me to have a theoretical ranking right. and B to really get to see great games. Yeah. I mean, I want to see, uh, uh, Nutria plays DCC at the Michigan stadium. Mm-hmm. I have to go to see that. Yeah. Um, so there are some, you know, even the, even the, the Ohio games are, are great too. So it's just going to be, I think it makes the Midwest more of a, I would prefer it right now to say it's the, to compare apples to oranges to this, like say, Oh, here's, here's the East coast teams, Maryland teams, New York teams. Here's the Midwest teams. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, maybe Ohio, you could throw in there, possibly Michigan, Loyola and new tree. You could throw in any, comp- any conversation anywhere. Yeah. Um, you could throw probably four, Ohio teams out there, two to three, depending on the year of Michigan, mm-hmm. Indiana, every other year you might have a, a, a team pop, but, but as a whole, when you sit there and say, here, the top 10 in the Midwest, I'll take them out anywhere and have them play anybody. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the point where we're at now until the game really starts to spread. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense, that's how I look at it. That's, that's the part that I want to push and promote and, 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 and get more recognition. And it's only going to help by saying it's these whole teams, not just this state. Yeah. And I know we've talked in the past about, you know, I guess we, not say we lament, but you, you know, we discussed like, Oh, you know, it's kind of somewhat unfortunate that these teams have to like, Loyola has to make six games out East coast. Basically, if they really want to get noticed, like if Loyola wants to take that next step and be like, all right, we want to be considered one of the top, 25 teams in the nation or at least in that conversation year in year out um you know like some of these other teams like there's teams that you know boys latin is always in the top 25 no matter what like 
I don't know if in the years I've been covering them, like, I don't know if they've never not been in that ranking. And it's just kind of almost taken as a given. Right. And, you know, we've talked about, and it's somewhat unfortunate that some of the Midwest teams that have a lot of talent, they're not at that level. And we're like, oh, they got to go east. But as we've kind of talked, like, they don't necessarily have to go east. There's a team here in the Midwest that they can right. test themselves again against. And, you know, and then that team travels. Like, you beat Culver, and that can make oh. a lot of your season. You know, you, that one win can make a big deal. Um, well, you'd, th- you'd think because, but last year, Loyola Academy went to Victor, beat Victor, and it didn't get them in the top 25 nationally. And Victor, I think, finished, what, 10th nationally? Uh, Loyola? I forget what their final ranking was. That, yeah, no, they I, ended up winning the New York State Championship. Right, and they lost to a team who traveled out there from the Midwest. Yeah. Didn't get any talk, didn't get any play. Didn't So that's, you know, I, I'm looking at the Loyola, the Loyola schedule right now. It's Bullis, Georgetown Prep, Calvert Hall. Uh, three in three straight days. Yeah. Um, so they went five out of six last year. That's they two got, defending champs. Bullis and Calvert Hall are both defending champions in a respective conference. Yeah, and then they and, play Saints, and then they play, uh, who do they play later? They play, uh, <laughs> they play Chaminade, St. Anthony's, and Garden City. Um, yeah. So they're playing. And for context, Garden City's the defending Class B champion in mm-hmm. New York. Chaminade is defending Catholic School Championship, and St. Anthony's, by all rights, might be the champion out of the Catholic League this year. Right. So they're going out there. Now, at what point, if they go 3-3, three and three, do they get looked at nationally? I mean, this is what I want to ask Ty next week, is saying, how does, how does what team besides Culver? That's the other reason. Yeah. Does, does anyone from the Midwest even get looked at because everyone looks at Culver Prep? Yeah. That's, again, not knocking Culver Prep again, but saying, you know, some of these schools aren't allowed to go more than one state over. You know, uh, I, I tried to hook up um, one of the teams here with a team out in New York, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. And a, and a strong team, uh, just to see where you're at. So Loyola being lucky enough to be able to do that, they have, uh, you know, their athletic director allows it, their yeah. coach is all for it. Um, you know, he's a New York guy. He's So he, you know, he looks at that's the way to get there. Right. That's, they're almost the trailblazer. So it's almost like, who do they have to beat? Who do they have to challenge? Who They lost by one goal last year. They would have gone six. No, they lost to West Jenny uh, by one goal, I think, and yeah. it was the day after beating Victor. So I think there might have been a little bit of a letdown yeah. after that one. Uh, but still, if they go three and three on this trip, if they go four and two, do you put them in a national argument when they're beaten? Uh, four of those, five of those teams are top ten. Yeah, there's only one that's number fourteen. So if they go four and two, three and three, um, I think they have to be in a conversation. And then if they come home and they play New Trier and New Trier beats them, well, then you have to sit there and say, I mean, again, that's transitive property. They beat that. Yeah. I know it doesn't always work out that way, but does it give a little more respect? Does it get a little more eye open? Because I don't think I've ever recalled a final national tap top 25 that had a team from the Midwest in it. Can you remember one besides Culver Prep? Uh, I know Brother Rice has cracked it. How long ago? Yeah. That, I mean, again, that's a team. <laughs> That's a team that's won 24 out of the last 26 state <laughs> right. championships. Yeah. And they cracked it. Yeah. Now, I promise you, there were times Brother Rice had teams that can go out east and smack some te- people in the face. Yeah. I mean, they, if you watch some of them play, yeah. they're big, tough players, 
and they, you know, Sergio Perkovic. Remember those teams? Yeah. I mean, let's see him go out there. So what does it take? That's all I, and that's, that's what I want to ask Ty next week. What will it take? When does that, when do we get the respect that we could be, I mean, cause it's, it's East coast. The whole thing is East coast. I, I think in one thing I saw one team from Colorado was in a, was in a top national. Yeah. I think uh, Regis Jesuit was in the U S that was across. it. Which that I know it. U.S. lacrosse, and there is a difference. Cause so I think Ty's answer probably would be different than U.S. lacrosse because sure. you, inside lacrosse does rank the Brunswicks and the Salisbury. So they have, and they're still only doing a top 25, whereas U.S. lacrosse doesn't rank those prep programs. So they have literally a few more slots, like right. probably three to four slots because it's very easy. Like Salisbury School, St. Sebastian's, those teams are traditionally – if you look at inside lacrosse, so it's almost like one of those, like, which pole do you prefer? And I'm sure if you're a public school team, you probably prefer U.S. lacrosse because you have a better shot. Um, just because, like, the IMGs and Salisbury and St. Sebastian's, they're going to take up spots on the inside lacrosse ranking. It's, sure. You know, it's just the way they are. Um, you know, at, like, and I'm sitting here thinking through, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think through, like, what I would do if Louisville Academy went out three and three. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, I think it would depend, like, the way I did, and we'll end up talking about this next week, too. But the way I always looked at it is, like, generally, I always held back New York schools. Like, like I would start New York schools further back in my rankings because they're the last to finish. Because right. I didn't want, you know, unless it was like a Ward Melville or something like that. And like, they just have to be, you know, top three to start the year. But, um, you know, and I'm just going to throw out a school because you already mentioned West Islip. Like, I might start a West Islip school out, you know, and we did a Fab 50. So we ranked 50 teams. So we would get a few Midwest schools in because once you start to get down, like, sure, it's hard to do 25 and truly do a national ranking because it is very easy just to be like, all right, now I'm going to pull from Maryland, Pennsylvania. New York and I'll take Darien out of Connecticut and you, you just kind of pluck schools from sure Virginia and all these other and like you know, maybe St. Andrews out of Florida at that point in time but you know otherwise you you can pretty much and you stay. haven't and you haven't even looked west of the Mississippi yeah, you, you have you, Mississippi you haven't even gone west of the Appalachian Mountains at that point in time <laughs> like you know you're you're not about out of western Pennsylvania and obviously western you you haven't even really gone past Philadelphia for the most part right. um but so no, it, it's hard. But I'm trying to think. I'm like you know. So in, in that occasion, Loyola Academy, like if Loyola Academy were to go out in three and three, I think like they would have to be in the conversation. But they can't lose at home. Like that would be the thing. Like you say, like if Nutra beats right. them, like Loyola, like if Loyola Academy goes out and they do three and three against that schedule, and assuming you know, obviously we're preseason here, so we don't know. You know, not likely. But all those teams could, none of them could make the playoffs, which would be, you know, if they went three and three and the three teams they beat weren't in a playoff cons- consideration, that would somewhat down the right. consideration. But we'll assume those teams, considering the quality and their history, if Lowell Academy goes three and three on that trip, they have to win every other game. And I'm not saying that's fair. I'm not saying, and I, you know, time may have a different answer on that, but, you know, I'm looking at I'm like, they can't lose to New Trier because it's just because like the East coast bias it does exist. And lacrosse is an East coast sport for the most part. I was born there and it's going to be hard. Like teams have to be, and it's unfair because Calvert Hall could go three and three on that trip 
and still win the MIA A conference title, and they would be a top five team, hands down. Right. It's a different stand. It truly is a different standard. So it's like to like I'll be interested to hear what Ty has to say for some of that stuff because. Like, I'm just kind of curious on his philosophy, and we're not going to really ask him, like for anybody who's listened, just kind of curious if we're going to pin him down or if we're trying to get him. And no, like I know Ty, I consider him, you know, a, a colleague, and I know that rank the rankings thing is a thankless job, and I'm so glad I don't do it anymore because it's, it really was one of those things, like as much as I enjoyed it, because um, it gave you an insight into teams that you normally don't get because you're looking at things in a different way when you're trying to compare teams from varying states sure. against each other who have wildly varying schedules. Like it's easy to compare a Calvert Hall and a boys Latin because they basically play the same schedule. Like they play the same conference teams and they play, but at the same rate, it's, I hated ranking the MIA schools because they beat each other. So right. it makes it a headache. So it's, it's, rankings and this is again we're not going to get too far into this because this is what we want to talk about next week so you know we've got a small sample of right. next week um but i think it's been interesting just to talk the the midwest and obviously that's your home and, and where you're in and uh it should be noted that you know your midwest preview will be out tuesday this week so okay. anybody's listening to sunday will be out on tuesday so people can look forward to that and you have uh players to watch and kind of some outlooks and stuff like that that uh people should be able to on the lookout for and as we get into games like we're this is when we're like the southeast region we already do a southeast region notebook we'll have a mid midwest region notebook every week so this is the time of year where we can kind of stop talking about what might be and actually start talking about you know right. what actually happens so can't wait like it's next week next week is uh the kicks off uh indiana yeah first game for uh Carmel, I think, is Wednesday, and and I think all of the teams are in in action. So it's 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 here. It's great. Yeah, here we go. Hopefully, we get hopefully we can get it a little warmer. That's yeah. You know, it doesn't, at doesn't this feel point, like I'll take spring, but it is. I'll take forty five <laughs> degrees right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll take forty five. It's it was twelve the other day, and it was thirty five today, and I walked around with no jacket on. So yeah. I'm ready for it. Let's yeah. let's do it. So let's go. I'm good. I'm good. All right. So where where can people find you, Mike? Uh, you could email me at mward at laxrecords.com or you can find me at Twitter at MFWCHI. And for me, you can find me at Lax Records pretty much everywhere, you know, Twitter and Instagram. You can find me uh, at laxrecords.com, obviously, and that has my email and contact information as well, too. So, everybody, have a week. All right, see ya. Thanks for coming back, everybody, and listening to this week's episode. Now, if you don't mind, just take one minute and go to laxrecords.com slash donate. Again, that's laxrecords.com slash donate. If you didn't know, Lax Records is actually a 501c3, and what that means for you is all donations are tax deductible. So this is one of those things. I do this as a passion project, but obviously there are certain costs that the site incurs by servers and all the technical aspects that no one really cares about until they go wrong. And that's happened a few times this year and your donations have helped fix those problems and get the site back up and running quickly and efficiently. And I also have some big ideas in the works that I'm hoping to launch in 2020. So your donations are even more crucial than usual. So anything you can give is much appreciated. Again, that was 